0: Well, uh, today I get the honor of uh, sharing part three of winning the war in your mind. So I'm excited about part three because God has me speaking about something that like I really, I think in my life I've dealt with, but I think a lot of us have dealt with this specific topic. But before I get into it, I wanna ask and uh, just ask this question. I wonder if so many of us can say, I'm living a pretty decent life. I'm living a pretty good life. But then uh, oftentimes we kind of say, you know what? Uh, There's just something not going right. We find things to complain about. Have you ever been in that point of your life where I feel like I'm living a a pretty good life, pretty decent, but there's always something we complain about. Isn't it interesting that we can live a special life? God can give us this life, but we always find things to complain about. I think it's very interesting to note this. Look, we're talking about the mind in this series, and I, I need you guys to note this, that the mind is a battlefield, a lot of the battles that we face are win, are won, sorry, or lost in your mind. It is a battlefield. I think the thing we need to realize is our thoughts. If, we need, if, if we're thinking negative thoughts, then we will receive negative outcomes. So it's, it's much, much like this. The life you live is often a reflection of the thoughts that you think. Let me say it that way. The life you live is often a reflection of the thoughts you think, so what comes into your mind comes out in your life. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. Let me tell you, you cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. So there's a scripture that we've kind of used as the the scripture of the series, and it's in 2 Corinthians 3 through five, and I'm gonna read that for you guys again. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, say divine power, to demolish strongholds in that encouraging. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive, say, take captive, every thought, not just some thoughts, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And that's today what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about how we can combat these negative thoughts, and the title of the message is Overcoming Negative Thoughts. If you have notes, write that down. If you have your note sheet, go ahead and underline that, because we're gonna talk about overcoming negative thoughts. Let's pray before we get into it. Jesus, we just pray for you, God. We pray for uh, your Holy Spirit to enter into this place, God. I pray right now for everyone that's walked in with maybe a a complaining mentality, or maybe they just have a few negative thoughts. Maybe it's not a lot, God, but we just ask that you remove those negative thoughts, remove those the negativity from my life, and we ask that you bring in your Holy Spirit, bring in your truth with your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Okay. So before I get into it, um, I have a little sister who attends HBU, which actually they just recently changed their name to HCU, so it's not Houston Baptist University, it's now Houston Christian University, which I thought was really cool, but she goes there, she's a freshman, and one of the things she's studying is psychology. So I I I found it really cool that we're talking about the mind in this series, and then my sister comes to me and says, hey, I've learned something about the brain, and she actually taught me something in the moment that I actually didn't even know, I didn't really study to be honest, in school I was like, "Man, this whole science stuff—it's all good. I don't, I don't want to pay attention to it." But what she taught me was this, and I think the team has an illustration. They're gonna throw a picture up. There's the mind thinks of the mind thinks in three different categories, and these three different categories is the id, id, the id, the ego and the super ego, and not ego like in like, oh, he's full of ego, she's full of ego, not like that, but it's just the ego. So let me explain what this picture is. The id is the part of your mind that kind of just likes to have fun. The one that doesn't really think, the one that's like, you know what, I'm just gonna do whatever I want, I'm gonna do whatever's pleasing to myself, whatever I feel in the moment, I'm gonna do. And that's what the id part of the brain thinks, and oftentimes it leads to probably poor decisions, <laughs> probably decisions that you're not proud of, or it just it just gets wild, right? So let me skip ego and let me go to superego. I like this, this this depiction of it because it's you know it's like a superhero. That's what I like to think about it as well. It's The superego is like your superhero, the one that's going to make sure your moral compass is in line and is like, hey, look, no, this is the right way to do it. Here are the bylaws. Here's what you have to do. Let's stay in line with what we're doing. So that's the extreme that way and then the it is extreme this way and then the ego is the balance between both and oftentimes this is where we need to live. We need to live in the ego. We need to have some fun, but not too much fun, right? We need to make sure that we're not, we're not going crazy here, but that we have our superego inside our mind. So uh, that's typically what happens. And in our life, we have these, in our brain, we have neural pathways. And you're like, man, I didn't know I was going to come into a teaching class, but today I'm going to teach you a little about the mind. So neural pathways, um, often they get into your mind and it, it, it makes the thought happen. And sometimes what happens is the more you think a thought, the more you think it again. So if, if you're walking around and you're saying, you know what, I can't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow I'm going to an Astros game. Come on, Astros. And you're saying, okay, cool. And then the more you think that thought, the more you're gonna keep thinking it again. Oh, I can't wait for tomorrow. I can't wait for tomorrow. Those are neural pathways. And then what happens sometimes too is that we have a cognitive bias in our mind. And what this is are mental filters. But let me define what cognitive bias is. It's a mistaken reasoning based based on personal experiences or preferences essentially it's a mental filter it's a filter that you either experienced in life and now every time you go through a situation you have a filter through that you look at the situation and and i want to pull out a few that maybe maybe you guys have dealt with in your life or you can relate to in some way some of these filters may look like this maybe when you grew up, unfortunately you were around abusive men or maybe your father didn't do the best job and then now every time you look at a man or you enter in a relationship, it's hard to trust the man because you're looking at the filter of what you grew up with. And maybe it's that or maybe it's, That you grew up and your parents would always say, rich people aren't the best people. They're rude. They're not good to hang around with. And so now, as you're going into your life and you're maybe succeeding in life and making more money, you feel a little bit of shame or you feel a little bit of, man, I don't know if I feel good about this because my parents told me that rich people were bad. So you see, you have a filter in your life. And these filters often shape how you live, excuse me, how you live your life, but Can I encourage you? If you change the filter, you can change the feel. So if you change the filter, you change the feel. How many of you guys know that in uh, social media, you have filters and if you put a filter on something you can change the feel of that something whether it's a picture or a video and I actually want to show you guys a video of a filter where it kind of went viral at some point point. and uh, I don't even want to explain it I just want to show you the team's going to throw the video on the screen it's a filter that helped change the atmosphere of that certain scenario so I think they got that video come on oh no what's the matter what? What's the matter? Nothing. What are you crying for? I'm not, am I? Huh? What? You seem really upset. Is everything okay with you? Yes. Yeah, are you sure? Uh-huh. Hey, what are you crying for? I'm not. Oh, what a shit. Who's upset you? <laughs> I beat them up. <laughs> I beat them up. they'll upset you. <laughs> oh, what a shit. <laughs> okay, that's funny. That's funny. So... the filter actually can distort the face and make somebody look upset or make it look like they're crying. And so that filter changed the feel of the entire scenario. And you notice the guy's like, I'm I'm not even upset. I'm not even angry. I'm actually happy. But the filter made it look like he was sad. That's how powerful filters are. And I know that's a pretty uh, standard example, but oftentimes that's how our mind works. We see a scenario and we may see the facts of the scenario, but our filter can change exactly what's happening. And unfortunately, what happens is that filter tells us it's true, but it's actually not true because the facts aren't different. It's just the filter. And in the same way, that's how two different people can be in a scenario and see two different things. And let me, let me throw one out there for you. Maybe it's at a job. And, and let's just say, for example, you have two people who receive the exact same feedback, the same feedback. And maybe the feedback is this hey, I think you need to do better at communicating. Um, you sounded a little awkward. You sounded a little nervous. That wasn't the best, but keep working on it, and then maybe you can get better. One person can take that and say, you know what? Well, I studied in college and I know how to communicate. I can't believe you would tell me. I'm doing so good. I study every single night. I can communicate. What do you mean? And then the other person can say, thank you. Thank you for that feedback. I, I, I value the feedback because I want to get better. What happened? The facts didn't change, but maybe their filter was different. And, and what, what I love about this is that actually happens in the book of Numbers, chapters 13 and 14, There's a story about Moses who sends out 12 spies to explore a land. And here's what happens, that Moses sends these people out and they come back with different filters. Two men come back and they say, the land is beautiful, we can take it, we can claim it, the land is ours, let's go get it. And then 10 others say, oh, no, 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 no. The land will devour us. Listen, the land will devour us, are you serious? And they say, no, there's giants there and they will overtake us. We are just mere grasshoppers, So they saw through a filter of defeat. And while the other two said, no, 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 we can claim this land, what happened? They saw the exact same thing. The facts did not change, but what changed? The filter. The filter changed what they saw. So outside of the filter, there's also something else. We can filter things through our life. That comes naturally, but then when a situation comes, where are we framing our filter? Where are we framing our life? So I would even tell you this, that it's not just the filter It's also the frame. Where are we framing things in our life? It could be the same situation, but also you can see a filter. You can see also a frame like, okay, this is bad, but let me move. And so today we're going to talk about how we can reframe our life to help adjust our filters. So reframing is this. It's creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning. So we see something and we change the meaning. And uh, the team has another picture of a boat. And I wanna show you that the facts don't change the filter that we look through, but we can frame something differently. So if you look to the sides, this is the fact of what's happening in the scenario. But what frame are you using? Are you using the frame of the left side where there's a storm, it's all chaotic, and there's a mess, or... Are you saying, I'm gonna look on the right side where there's a sunset, where there's calm. There's a nice little breeze probably. Beautiful. It's the same scenario. It's the same situation, but where are you framing your mind? Are you focused on the storm or are you focused on the calm? Let me tell you this. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. So let me ask you this. Maybe in your life you said, okay, there's a lot of things that have happened in my life and it's just not the way I wanted it to go. It's not how I planned my life would be. And maybe you worked hard and you said, I'm gonna get this degree in this specific area and I'm gonna get a job and you had this whole plan and then you started working in a field that wasn't even your degree. You're like, wow, I thought I would be in a different field. I thought what I was doing would be different. Or maybe you dreamed that you would be in, you know, a high school sweetheart marriage, and then unfortunately what happened is that did not work out for you. Or maybe you said, I thought I'd be somewhere different in life by now. Man, I thought by this time I would be successful. I'd have my own business. Whatever that case may be, maybe you're just thinking of it as the opposite, and God's trying to encourage you to frame it in a different way way. And you're saying, man, I thought, I thought by now it'd be different. Like my life is looking like it's the opposite of what it is right now. Can I encourage you to, that there's someone in the Bible by the name of Paul who experienced the exact same thing, who said, you know what? I thought it'd be somewhere different, but I'm experiencing the opposite. And that's what we're going to dive into too in Philippians chapter one, verse 12. But let me tell you this, that before this verse, Paul had the idea that, you know what? I'm going to evangelize and I'm gonna get all these people to be Christians and we're gonna live for Christ. And he said, you know where I need to go? I need to go to Rome because I think Rome's the spot where if we impact Rome, the nations will be impacted. So he decides he's gonna go to Rome and try to evangelize. And instead of being the preacher that he thought he was gonna be, he ended up being a prisoner. And where he planned my life would be looking like this, he saw the opposite. And I want to I tell you, uh, maybe, maybe, what if Paul would have framed the situation in a different way? Because if you read Philippians 1.12, it's very encouraging. But what if he would have said, you know what, I'm going to frame it towards the negative. I believe this is what he would have said. We're going to be um, looking at verses 12 through 13 through the NWV, the new whiner's version. That's, for all you uh, that probably don't know, that's completely made up, okay? There's no new Weiner's version in the Bible, but we're gonna read it this way. Let's just think for a second. If Paul would have said it this way, he would have said in verse 12, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. Mm. And as a result of the hell that I've been through, I'm quitting small groups and I'm never going back to church again. I think Paul would have, if he would have framed it the negative way, that's how he would have said it. Why aren't you grateful that he didn't say that? Come on. He says this way, instead, he framed it. He said, I'm gonna change the frame. I'm gonna change my focus and my filter. I'm gonna frame it to the positive. And this is actually what's in the Bible. This is the NIV version. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ, So most people, what they see as bad, Paul said, you know what? No, I'm gonna frame this to be good. I know I am chained, but I'm gonna use these chains for God. And what actually ended up happening is that a guard would post up every eight hours. We know this. Every eight hours, they would switch. And he said, you know what? Every time a new guard comes, I'm gonna evangelize and speak Jesus, and they will come to Christ. The next person that comes, another eight hours, another person, another eight hours, another person. Where are you in your life right now that you can be impacting people through Jesus through your storm? Come on, that's so good. Hey, look, and and what I love too is that in verse 14, he says this, and because of my chains, say because, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Maybe God has placed you in a storm not just for you, but for the people around you. Maybe there's a storm in your life that if you would just preach the name of Jesus and see God through the storm, that the people around you can be impacted and they can come to know Christ. And so we wanna, we wanna see, well, how can we be a little bit like Paul? How can we reframe things? And that's what we're gonna dive into We're gonna figure out how we can reframe your story and your relationships and your everyday struggles. And I'm gonna give you three practical tools that you can use to apply to your everyday struggles, to your negative thoughts, and try to overcome them. The first one is this, thank God for what didn't happen. That'll that'll preach alone right there. Just thank God for what didn't happen. And to illustrate this more, there's a story of a girl. She's a 20 year old girl who said, you know what? I, I got some bad news I need to tell my parents. And what she does is she meets her parents the next day, and she says, hey, Mom and Dad, um, I just want to let you know, a few weeks ago, uh, I met a guy. Um, I met him at a bar. We had a a little bit too much to drink, and uh, we went out, and uh, shame to say, I got a couple tattoos the same night. I got three or four on me already. Um, I actually ended up falling, breaking my arm, (laughs) and then – Unfortunately, I I hate to say this, mom, but we had a one night stand and now I'm pregnant and I don't even know where the guy is anymore. I don't know what's going on with my life. And, uh, but here's the good news um, that the job that I interviewed for called me back and uh, I got the job and she let it hang there for a second. And you can imagine as a parent, you're like, what is going on right now? And then she said, actually, I'm just joking. I really just got a D on my science exam. I just want to let you know that it could have been worse. It could have been worse, so thank God for what didn't happen, right? <laughs> and so um, I know, I know that's a funny story, but I know for you, you're thinking, okay, maybe it's not that extreme, right? And maybe for you, you're just saying, okay, well, um, at my job, there was a goal that my uh, boss told me to hit. I had to hit this goal, but I missed it, and now I didn't get the promotion. Now I didn't get the raise or the bonus that I wanted, and you're like, you're man, I just hate this. I hate this right now because I didn't get what I wanted. But hey. You didn't lose your job. Thank God for what didn't happen. Or maybe it was a car wreck and you're like, man, it's expensive, I gotta spend all this money. And maybe it was just a fender bender, but hey, look, nobody was hurt. Thank God for what didn't happen. In the whole scheme of things, maybe there are some things in life that are a big deal. Trust me, I'm not trying to subside the bigger deals. There is some things that are a big deal, but can I tell you for the most part, it's not a big deal. A lot of the things in life that we escalate as a big deal, they're not a big deal. So we have to thank God for what didn't happen. And I wanna say this even more, that imagine this, I know what happened to Jesus was a gruesome, gruesome, terrible death. He was nailed to the cross, he was bled out, he died for us, and he died a gruesome death. But can you just imagine for a second, what if he wasn't resurrected? What if he stayed dead? Huh, he wouldn't be the Messiah. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be our savior if he didn't come back to life. If he stayed dead, he wouldn't be our Lord. He wouldn't have fulfilled all the prophecies. That would have been the one that he had to finally check off and he didn't do it. Imagine if Jesus wouldn't have Resurrected. What if he would have stayed dead? But aren't you grateful for a God who said, you know what, it didn't happen. I resurrected and I came for you. I rose on the third day. And can I tell you that our God is alive and well. Today he's not dead. Come on, I need you to shout a little bit. He's alive and he's here for you in your circumstances. Come on, thank God for what didn't happen. I'm grateful that Jesus came back. And like I wanna also encourage you with this. Maybe, maybe, there is a a part of you that is kind of like Jesus in this moment. Maybe you feel dead in a situation. Maybe you have died to a certain circumstance and you're like, I'm defeated, I cannot come out of this alone. Well, just like Jesus, I believe for you that your time is not done, that there's a resurrection coming in your life. Maybe you're on day one, maybe you're on day two, and maybe you're on the the cusp of day three, but can I tell you guys this morning that Jesus is not done with you yet, there is resurrection on the other side of your storm if you just push through. And so the second thing I wanna point out is we need to practice pre-framing. So we thank God for what didn't happen, and then we practice pre-framing. Okay. So our thoughts and our frames, we know that we're going to come, there's a filter and there's a frame and we have to say, you know what, what about pre-framing? We have to make sure that we're thinking ahead, that we're not speaking death over ourselves, that we're actually speaking life. And I remember a time in my life where um, I unintentionally but intentionally spoke death over myself because I didn't think I was qualified, I didn't think I was good enough to do something. So 10 years ago, I had a, the opportunity to play for a professional drum line, and it was amazing, it was fun. The team got a few pictures I wanna show you guys. So um, the first one they'll throw up right now is, look, check this out. I'm, I know the costumes are they're a little intense, but that was kind of the, the vibe. I am on the far right. Let me with the game face on. Next picture, next picture. Okay, look, check this out. I'm also, again, on the far right. I would love to tell you guys that we were praying in that moment. We were not. We were just a couple dudes hanging out. We're like, hey, we're gonna get it. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be a cool show. We were pre- preparing for our, um, I believe that was the uh, world, um, the, the nationals, the world nationals for getting um, uh, in our division, sorry. And the next picture, this is a picture of what happened in the, in the actual gymnasium. They can flip them. there it is. Cool. <clears throat> so what what we what I did in that season of my life is we would as a drum line, we would uh drum inside of a gym. We'd make formations and these cool shapes and these cool designs and we would play while we're marching at the same time. I'm somewhere in the middle of all that mess. <laughs> and then um, um I, I do have a video, but for time's sake. I'm not gonna show it just because it's, it, I mean, it's a minute long, but it's not that bad. I wanted to show you guys what, what we did, but here's the point of this entire story. The point is, I was excited about doing that. I was like, wow, this is cool, this is fun. And then year two came along. But what I forgot to tell you guys is that in year one, right before my year two audition, I auditioned and I made it, but I barely made it. And one of the the, the drum teachers came up to me and said, hey, the only reason why you made, he told me this, The only reason why you made the drum line this year is because we didn't have anybody else better. You're the best of the worst. And I was like, great. So I was like, okay, but I made it. (laughs) I was like, cool. So it was good, but can I tell you, that that kept festering in my mind. And then year two came along and I was like, okay, I'm just not good enough, I'm just not good enough. I, I, I cave under pressure. And then my audition, can I tell you, I choked. It was not good, my audition was not good. They gave me a call and they said, hey, You didn't make it, so I got cut the second year, so I didn't get to do it again. But can I tell you, had I gone back and pre-framed my mind and said, you know what? I am good enough, I am capable, I am able to do this. I don't cave under pressure. If I'd have pre-framed it, I may have made it. But praise God for redemption, because about two years later, I auditioned for the Houston Texans drumline, and I got to do that for a few years, so that was fun. But that didn't come without pre-framing my mind and preparing my mind. And this is the last note. This is the last point. Uh, number three, so we have to thank God for what didn't happen. Practice pre-framing. And the last one is this, look for God's goodness. Look for God's goodness. So we can thank God for what didn't happen. Man, I'm glad that didn't happen, God. And we say, okay, okay. Practice preframing. I got to make sure that I'm able, that I'm good, that this outcome, this scenario is going to be positive, not negative. Then we have to look for his goodness. One quote that I always like to remind myself of and I tell people all the time is, you will find what you are looking for. You will find what you are looking for. In Matthew 7, 8, it says this, for everyone who asks, receives. So what are you asking for? you will receive it. Everyone who seeks finds, what are you looking for? You will find it. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. What door are you knocking on this morning? What door in your life are you knocking on? Because that door will be opened. Is it a negative door, is it a positive door? And then um, to illustrate that just a little bit more, have you ever thought about a vulture? What do they look for? Dead things, rotten things to feed on. But a hummingbird looks for sweet things. And I actually researched the hummingbird and you guys know that the hummingbird feeds on one to 2,000 flowers a day. I don't know if I see that many flowers in a day. <laughs> one to 2,000 and that's its daily life that it feeds on 2,000 positive, sweet, loving things. So when we think about reframing, we think about the cognitive reframing. So we take cognitive biases and we remove it with cognitive reframing, which empowers you to decide the meaning of an event. And maybe this has been the worst year ever for you. Maybe for you, this is, well, you just don't know what I'm going through. You don't know where my life is headed. I just, the decisions that I'm making are trying to be positive, but there's other forces that are pulling me down, pushing me away from where I felt like God was taking me. Can I tell you that God is still good? That in your situation, Focus on the goodness of God. And maybe you feel like your life is failing right now, but can I ask you this, is God still good? Yes, God is still good. Whoa, but my relationship ended, God is still good. But I lost my job, God is still good. Well, I wrecked my car, God is still good. If you believe that God is still good, instead of focusing on the negative situation, we have to focus on the goodness of God. Let me say it this way. We shouldn't just interpret God through the circumstances. We should interpret the circumstances through the goodness of God. So instead of looking at a circumstance and saying, where is God in all this? No, no, say, where's the goodness of God? Because I know that what he's doing in my life right now is to proclaim his name, proclaim the gospel. And if I only Search for the things of God and the goodness of God, then maybe, just maybe, God will come through. And I don't even wanna say maybe, he will. He will come through. So last thing I'm gonna say is this, you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. And that's what I wanna encourage you guys with, that's what I wanna leave you with, is that you can't control, you can't but thank God for what didn't happen. Practice pre-framing and framing what's happening in your life. And then look, look for the goodness of God in this situation. Don't let the situation determine your circumstance. And so today, maybe you're thinking this and you're saying, you know what? I think I just need a little bit more of Jesus in my life. I wanna give you guys an opportunity to accept Jesus in this next moment And maybe you've done so and or maybe it's been a long time and you're like, I just I just need him again. I need to rededicate my life. That's what this next moment's gonna be about. So with every eye closed and every head bowed.